0: Block Talk Radio. Oh, oh, please. We run in this rat shit. Method Fleet, we run in this rat shit. B Mac, we run in this rat shit. Freeway, we run in this rat shit. Oh, fuck, we run in this rat shit. Chris and me, we run in this rat shit. Take over. What it do, America? It's your boy, Brandon Stubbs, back at it here. Another episode of Punch to the Face Radio. Again, you can be anywhere in the world this evening, but you're here with me. And as always, I do appreciate that. Uh, here on tonight's show, we've got a lot of fights this weekend we're going to talk about. We've got World Series of Fighting 15, we've got Fellow 131, we've got UFC 180. And, but of course, all three of those cards are at the same time on Saturday night. So I'll give you a breakdown of the five fights you need to be watching this weekend. Also, uh, we will talk about, um, we'll preview all three of those cards and give the five fights you need to watch. Uh, also, we'll talk about is Shogun Hua Washed? Um, after his performance at UFC Fight Night uh, down in Brazil on Saturday. Uh, as well, chill Sonnen has signed uh, with ESPN to be an MMA correspondent. I'll tell you what, that's a big deal or not. Yeah. Um, the on-again, off-again saga of Vanderlei Silva. <laughs> that's, that's just sad. And plus all the other news and notes in the world of mixed martial arts. As always, feel free to give a call into the show area code 718 five zero eight nine eight five two or you can tweet me at punch underscore the number two the face. Um yeah, if you tweet me any your questions, call in. Um this I, I tweeted out here a few moments ago uh that um conor McGregor is a turd and I do stand by that. Uh so shout out uh, to my man Andrew Sawyer uh aka Paul X Kersey. uh his Twitter handle make sure you give him a follow but uh yeah I, I can't stand Conor McGregor. Um, just don't like him. Just don't like him. So, uh, I, I really I like tweeted that out. He actually was on a UFC Tonight prior to the show coming on, and they had an interview with him. Just not a fan. He just, just doesn't sit well with me, but um, that's my opinion. I'm, well, that's pretty much my opinion. I can say what I want is my show. So, uh, not a fan of him. i if you ever see him on the show. Um, I don't know stranger things have happened yet, but hey. Uh, let's get down to, uh. Some news here uh, this week in MMA. Let's first start off here uh, with the news of Chael Sonnen joining ESPN. That is correct. Uh, Chael Sonnen is joining ESPN as a uh, MMA analyst uh, for the network. Now, if if everybody remembers, he was let go of this position uh, with the UFC after his uh, drug testing fiasco here over the summer, uh, him being suspended for two years from the Nevada State Athletic Commission, Uh, him now um, pretty much being a free agent, if you will, uh, in regards to his services outside of the company. Now, he has since uh, said he's retired from MMA, but with respect and honor the two-year suspension from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, he's still going to be doing commentating. Uh, He had did the uh, Battlegrounds MMA uh, pay-per-view show. He did there um, uh, commentating along with uh, Jim Ross, uh, former uh, WWE announcer. So there's the, the uh, play-by-play for that pay-per-view, and uh, Chael just started up his own podcast as well. So, you know, he had been busy, you know, kind of after being uh, real quiet and kind of laying under the radar um, you know, the, the months after the whole incident happened with uh, with the Drug Testing Athletic Commission. Kind of laying under the radar, was kind of quiet, you know, no one saw or heard from him, he didn't know what, the, what was going on with him, and then boom, he signs with ESPN. Now, let me explain to everybody why this is not a big deal. The reasoning behind that is ESPN really doesn't cover MMA. And, I mean, that, that that's not a, a jab or anything, but let's just be honest. They don't. Um, they don't have any MMA events that come on their network. Uh, the only time Dana White is ever on the show is when they have a big pay-per-view and they have him on. Uh, they may have a couple of fighters on. Uh, during you know pay-per-view week or if a pay-per-view is announced and they happen to be in the same city doing a press tour where a fight's going to be at. But that's not something ESPN go- gives heavy coverage to like they do in NBA, like they do in NFL, like they do Major League Baseball, hockey, or even soccer for that matter. It's still a niche sport to ESPN. Um, they have their own programming. uh was like the MMA Tonight, I think it was called at one time, they came on ESPN. That no longer airs. At least I don't know that airing. Um, I think even still, it was reduced to being like a, almost like a podcast there on ESPN. So, you know, Sunday signing with ESPN is really not that big of a deal, uh, unless they plan on really using him and utilizing his mic skills, uh, his insight, and his experience. It's not a big deal. Um, you know, g- good deal for him. You know, not knocking him at all. I mean, get some checks cut, bro. But as far as it being a big deal for mixed martial arts, it really isn't. And that's kind of sad to say, but it's really not. Um, ESPN really could, for the most part, showing from what I'm seeing, could care less about the sport. Um, Unless they can capitalize off it, unless they can, you know, generate big revenue off of it, they they won't promote it. I have a feeling he's going to kind of be – Kind of what they do with boxing, you know. They have boxing that does come on ESPN, but they don't really promote it. They don't even promote the stuff they put on their own network. Uh, the only time they talk about boxing is Floyd Mayweather's involved or Manny Pacquiao, um, one of those two gentlemen. Otherwise than that, boxing really doesn't get the, the same limelight like the other sports do. That's going to be the exact same thing here with MMA. So you know, good for uh Sonnen that he's gotten a job um, with ESPN. It gives him another platform to be on, but – it's just really not that big of a deal. Um, you know, in the larger scale of things, unless they're gonna completely change the way they go about doing things and covering mixed martial arts, not a big deal. Uh it just isn't. So uh that's that's news there. Um some other news that uh that is broke here today. Um Frank Mir. Frank Mir will be back at it. Um man, Frank Mir has been it took a lot of it's taken a lot of time off, uh, well, at least it seems like it. And, and let me say, with uh, with full disclosure, Frank Muir is one of my favorite fighters there is. Um, there's just something about him in his demeanor that just... It, it seems like it just rings to me. It's, it's like me and him are kind of cut from the same cloth. it's We can be serious, but we also can be complete assholes to people and give them funny looks. If you see any memes on timelines, especially MMA fans, Frank Muir... Uh, the looks he gives and the names they've made out of Frank Mir's face are classic. Uh, but Frank Mir's going to be back at it here at UFC 184 next year. Um, he's going to be facing um, Antonio Bigfoot Silva uh, there in Las Vegas uh, at UFC 184, and that's going to be on February. The fir- uh, February. That's when I think that would... That may be February or March. Uh, but that'll go down then. Now, for in Mir's case, Mir hasn't fought since February of this year. Um, he suffered a unanimous, unanimous decision loss uh, to Alistair Overeem. He had actually lost four fights in a row. That made the fourth fight in a row he had lost. Uh, Overeem, uh, knocked out by Josh Barnett, a manhandled by Daniel Cormier, knocked out by Junior Dos Santos. Uh, so all four of those losses have came here in the last two years. Now, prior to that, he was actually on a pretty decent streak uh, he had won three fights in a row, including breaking uh, in, uh, Big Nog's arm, Antonio uh, Nogueira's arm, and a great match that I, I remember watching on you know, pay-per-view. Um, but you know, he's been kind of a uh, kind of quiet. It was kind of a, a, a rumor if he was even still going to uh, to actually do, you know, if he was going to stay active, if he was going to continue to fight. But uh, all sides point to yes, he is going to fight, and that fight is going to go down here next year. So Frank Mir will be back, and as far as Antonio Bigfoot Silva goes, uh, this is going to be his first fight, Um, you know, I mean, uh, uh, not his first fight, excuse me, Uh, this will be a rebound fight from him after getting knocked out by Ben Rothwell here in September. Um, I I think I actually have that wrong. Let me have Ben Rothwell, oh, I'm all discombobulated here, on my fighters here. Um, Silva's last fight was against Andre Orlovsky here in September, and he got knocked out by uh, Andrei Olofsky. Um That was actually after he stopped being able to do the TRT replacement. Um, we were kind of wondering what kind of fighter he would be. Doesn't, doesn't look great, uh, but, you know, that fight will go down here next year. Uh, interesting matchup. Really a crossroads fight for both guys. Frank Mare loses. In all due respect, Frank Mare's career is probably done um, as far as being a fighter in the UFC. Is there a chance he could continue to fight elsewhere? Eh, Possibly, but would that make any sense? Probably not. Um, So, and in Silva's case, you know he loses back-to-back fights. So, if you ever get knocked out, okay, then you got to kind of wonder, you know, him being off the TRT, uh, if that's something he wants to continue to fight now. In his case. He has to take it because he has suffered some uh, antagonism. I mean, I'm saying that right. Um, But he still can't get sanctioned to use that, so that's something he can no longer take. But, I don't know. We'll see. But that's not going to be until next year, and obviously uh, closer to the time for that fight to happen, we'll have more information on that, and um, yeah, more more of a thorough breakdown of that fight on that time. But, Something we can talk about right now is fights that were announced here earlier today for UFC on Fox 14. Uh, that's going to go down here uh, on January 24th, and that will be uh, – I don't i actually know where it's going to be at. Uh, but it's going to be – um, excuse me, it'll be in Sweden. Uh, it'll be in Sweden uh, on, uh, on Fox, on regular Fox, not Fox Sports 1. Uh, and we actually have two pay-per-view quality types of fights uh, that will be going down there, part of that card. Uh, The main event is actually going to be a de facto uh, number one contender match because, well, Daniel Cormier and John Jones are going to be fighting next year. Um, Anthony Rumble Johnson and Alexander Gustafson are now going to be fighting uh, there in January 24th. So really the winner of that fight is going to be the next guy in line for a title shot. It just makes the most sense. You've got the top four guys and the 205-pound division. We're going to be squaring off against each other and and fight. So make makes sense there. Completely get it. Um, And no, we're not giving away a VIP package to Sweden at this time. However, uh, stranger things have happened. We may hustle something up here uh, for Punch to the Face Radio to where we give out some VIP packages for our listeners to go to Sweden. But that's going to be uh, the, the main event there. The co-main event is actually maybe the more interesting out of um, out of the fights. The co-main event is going to be uh, Dan Henderson, who's going to be going dropping down in weight uh, to fight back down in middleweight, which he did uh, during his time frame um, there at Strikeforce. Uh, he's going to be taking on Gegard Musasi at 185 pounds. So that fight's going to go down there. Um, And in those cases, you know, Daniel Cormier said he felt really right. He was able to take him down with so much ease Uh, when he fought him earlier this year and just completely destroyed him and made Dan Henderson look awful out there. Um, He just, you know, I don't want to say he looked like a shell of himself, but he just didn't – Dan Henderson just didn't look right. And for someone who is, you know, who's fought for as many years as he's fought, I kind of wonder a little bit how much tread is left on his tires. I'm kind of wondering if it's the same thing with Shogun Hul, which I'll get into a little bit later in the show. Um, but you just kind of got to wonder what's what's left in his tank. Now, for Degar Mousasi, you know, he's a loser of two out of his last three. Got choked out uh, by jo- Jacare Souza here in September. Um, you know He choked out Mark Munoz uh, earlier this spring, and then earlier this year he also uh, lost unanimous decision to Liotta de Machida, where he just seemed like he couldn't pull the trigger at all. So this is a pivotal fight for him at the middleweight division. If he struggles in middleweight, you gotta kinda wonder if there's gonna be any point of him staying in middleweight or him thinking about moving up to two oh five. Uh I know he's fought at two oh five here previously. Makes sense. Uh it should be something he can do. But um I, I don't know. I it's it, it's an interesting fight, you know. That's that's a very stacked card. It's only two fights announced so far, um, for that in Sweden, but um we will see, but that that's going to be the, the co-main event. So, Gegard Morsasi, Dan Henderson, Ed Middleweight, uh, co-main event for UFC on Fox uh, here in January. So, that's going to be January 24th. Uh, that fight is going down. So, we got that that's going to happen. Um, no other really big fights that have been announced thus far um, from anyone else. Uh, but, you know, UFC says here on Monday they have big announcements uh, coming in regards to uh, their fight schedule here for 2015, rumor has it it's going to be around 50 cards, 50 events, 50 fights they're going to put on. I don't, I don't feel good about that because having that many fights is going to do a couple of different things. It's going to saturate the talent pool, and if you're rushing your stars back, it gives them an opportunity to get hurt. Uh, whether it be hurting in, hurt in camp or hurt in a, in a cage. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see. Again, they they always figure out a way to to, to pull things together. Um, you know, this weekend is just no different. You know, Cain Velasquez was set to defend his title, uh, but Mark Hunt is now stepping in. It's going to be interim title bout. Uh, that's because you know he got hurt. You know, he got you know with when um, with Cain getting hurt. You know, we I had to drop him out of the top ten list. Um, he's saying you know it's going to be you know six another six weeks or so uh before anything and then rehabbing and then so it's the mess. I mean we may not see Cain Velasquez fight until sometime in the spring. Um, um we've had other guys who got nicked up here and there. So I don't know man, the fifty events it does give you an opportunity uh, for some of these guys who have been injured this year uh to you know be maybe more active next year but uh, again that can open up a, a whole Pandora box of different things. Uh but also interesting to see if they can if they give uh, more female fighters an opportunity. Uh, you know, they're going to have the strawweight division. They have the band weight division. You know, more fight cards does give more of these ladies opportunities um, to get more fights uh, for them to also, also find more talent there in the female divisions. And knowing how the UFC operates, more than likely adding another female division, whether it be somebody absorbing from Invicta FC, who knows. But I, I look for that to happen. If they're going to put that many events on, they're going to, again, need another division um, to do something with. So the women's make sense because I don't see them doing a cruiserweight division within the UFC's men ranking. So there's that. So that's that's um, that's what they have announced. And obviously on next week's show, we will have more details on those, uh, quote-unquote, 50 events that they're going to have and how all that um, will settle in and how that will all work. Um so it'll it'll be interesting to see they they've they're getting things together I know they've even they've uh, leaked some of the information has leaked out in regards to uh, fights in February already. So you know UFC staying busy this is what they do but I don't know 50 events in one year is just seems extreme um but hey if you got a UFC fight pass you're going to be getting every dime of what you spent. So there is that. Um Let's let's get into the saga here of uh, Vanderlei Silva. So Vanderlei Silva was set to be a part of this weekend's Fan Fest at um, in San Diego for Bellator One Hundred and Thirty One. Uh, Bellator sends out a media blast to all of us here in MMA media here on Monday, um, subsequently saying, you know, Vanderlei Silva is going to we're to part of the team. He's going to come here. He's going to be a David Buster's. Uh, meeting with the fans, signing autographs, taking pictures, and, and what have you. So everything looked great, you know, as far as that goes. It looks like that was going to be a done deal. Um, you know, it's, it's he's not fighting for Bellator. He can't fight for Bellator right now because he's suspended. He may not be able to get a license anywhere. Um, you know, all that happened. We got that email here Monday afternoon. Well, Tuesday happens. Um, mid-morning, you know, late morning of my time, I get an e- we you know, we, we start hearing things flutter about, you know, news is trickulating out, and the news is Vanderlei is a no-go, and then uh, we heard something official from Bellator. He won't be able to participate. still is still technically under his contract with the UFC. Now, if you've read my story on badculture.net, um, you, you kind of read the details, but I'll kind of break it down again. Vanderlei Silva attempted to retire himself uh, around, like, September 19th of, of this year. Uh, that was after he was uh, had some hearings and knew he was going to get some sort of consequences from the Nevada State Athletic Commission after running out on a drug test over the summer. Uh, he ran on that drug test, a random drug test, when he was supposed to fight uh Joe Sonnen, to find out Joe Sonnen had his own issues with drug tests, so there you go. But nevertheless, he didn't even take his test until he just decided when they came to a shim, I'm gonna run out of the gym. So he literally ran out of his gym. Now I don't know if he literally did it or figuratively. But from all indications I've heard, he literally ran out of the gym. So by doing that and pretty much avoiding a drug test, uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission said, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do: lifetime ban and a 70 grand uh, fine." Uh, right now, is still is still trying to fight both of those. Still trying to fight the lifetime ban. And the fine. He said, why am I paying you a fine when I don't plan on fighting? So, you know, I'm thinking with him retiring, he can kind of go about and say and do whatever he wants. Unfortunately, it does not work that way. Now, he was spotted in an XFC card uh, down in Brazil. Uh, He even called out Chelsea at that time for a fight. Um, There's even been rumors of him fighting over in Japan on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day uh, against Phil Baroni. You know, it's been a lot of weird accusations uh, in regards to what he's doing, what he can't do, and what he can do. Well, it's pretty evident from the UFC, he can't do anything. Uh, he cannot do anything with any other promotion uh, right now because he's still under his contract with him. And he can't can't appear anywhere without their okay. Obviously, he can't fight for any outside in, uh, promotion. He can't do anything as long as he's under the UFC contract. Even with him retiring, his contract was still put in a frozen state. So pretty much the UFC owns rights to Vanderley Silva, and so they say different. Um, they do this in place if a fighter retires and decides to come back and thinking with them retiring, they null and void their contract. Wrong. Look at Randy Couture from about, I don't know, 10 years ago uh, when he had his fallout with the UFC and was trying to get a Get a deal with Affliction, and thought he was going to try to fight with them. Was trying to sue him for breach contract. That whole fiasco. This is kind of the same. This is similar, but not. Uh, Some of the fact that you know they UFC still had rights to Randy Couture's contract. Granted, in their case, they were able to amend fences and give him actually an extension contract-wise and more cash. Uh, in this case, you know Randy retired, but was trying to also still get out of his contract. In this case. Vanderlei Silva just flat out retired uh, and thought he could try to avoid all um, all um, you know litigation against him from the Nevada State Athletic Commission and everything else. But unfortunately, it just did not work that way. Um, Vanderlei Silva was kind of a, he's in a he's in a rock and a hard place. Um, he can still train guys, you know, and, and I've obviously help guys out as a trainer, but he can't do anything. And for work this was this was kind of a shot in the arm, man, because. You know, one thing that they're doing—they're trying to build a brand and trying to build, bring more attention to their brand and trying to rebrand themselves. That is, and Beverly Silva would have brought more name recognition for them, which is something they're trying to seek. Uh, and you know, they're they're trying to bring guys who are popular in the sport or you know, former Hall of Famers, uh, trying to bring that audience over to Bellator. Um, they're doing this with, you know, we've seen Frank Shamrock doing work with them, Randy Couture. Um, Royce Gracie was named their their Brandon Bastor. I mean, Royce Gracie is synonymous with the UFC. I mean, he's the first tournament winner. Um, Epic fights there within the UFC and in pride as well. Uh, So who better face of the organization than Royce Gracie? Um, And uh, Ken Shamrock is another one who's been brought along and has been doing some stuff with uh, Bellator uh, here in recent weeks and months. So they thought they were going to do the same thing with uh, Vanderlei Silva, but unfortunately that is a no-go. Um where we'll see Vanderlei Silva next, we don't know. Uh, but I have a feeling he's probably going to do something stupid and try to fight outside of the country. Um, but I really feel bad for anyone who wants to do business with him because that's going to catch you a lawsuit from the UFC. I don't see them letting anything like that slide. Um, unless Vanderlei Silva can buy his contract out or get some sort of release, I think his days of fighting are done. Uh, He'll just be put on ice by the UFC. I mean, he decided to uh, break the rules and run out of his drug test. He's got to actually now face up to that. Now, he may be able to get out of a lifetime ban uh, from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Um, He can attempt to see if he can get a license in other states. Uh, But in most cases, all states recognize other state suspensions, and especially the Nevada State Athletic Commission with them kind of being the big dog uh, among commissions for combat sports. I don't see any other state not recognizing their suspension, and letting him fight for them, fight in that state. So, Vento said is probably done uh, as far as being a fighter. So, this is kind of a blow to him here this weekend at Bellator, uh, with him being unable uh, to, to print, uh, participate in their fan fest they had going on. But just kind of, kind of weird, kind of weird. But Vento is kind of a weird guy anymore. But uh, let's talk about one of his uh, Brazilian brethren. Um, well, let's first recap uh, this past weekend's fight night cards, and then we'll we'll get to uh, Shogun Hua. And again, feel free to tweet me throughout the show here at punch underscore the number to the face. And as well, give a call into the show at area code 718-508-9852. So this, uh, this past weekend, the UFC put on uh, two fight night cards, um, one was really good. The other one, was eh, not so much. Let's start with the one that was really good. On Friday night, they had a UFC Sydney uh, that went down a lot from Sydney, Australia. That was on UFC Fight Pass. Um, excellent card. Um, it now holds the record for the most finishes in one night. Uh, they had 11 fights. They had 11 stoppages. None of the fights uh, went to the scorecards, so and the judges got no work. The furthest fight any fight went was uh it went to, we had one fight that goes went to the third round it went all the eighty eighteen seconds into the third round everything else either ended in the first or the second round so an outstanding card there at Sydney all of the fights were interesting all of them were um, were entertaining none of the fights sucked in any way shape or form um, I enjoyed all of them. Um, couple of the ones that were maybe the most interesting is uh, Al, Al Aquinta, uh beating Ross Pearson. And just really, you know, first round it was kind of a you know an even sort of round, but you can see maybe Al was a little bit more in control. And he just applied the pressure in the second round, and Ross Pearson just didn't know how to react to it, uh, didn't know what to do, got uh, got kicked, and then we got some punches landed on him, and boom, it was a wrap um, after that point maybe one of the more closer fights, uh, Robert Whitaker versus Clint Hester. Now, in Whitaker's case, he was, you know, completely dominating the first round, landed a lot of great strikes. But in the second round, Clint Hester was able to – was kind of getting a uh, better control, uh, was landing some strikes that had Robert uh, wobbled a bit himself. Uh, but Whitaker, since, the, you know, I think it was kind of a counter shot, and then uh, Hester was also a little bit gassed. And then, you know, Whitaker went in for the kill – uh, getting some knees in the clinch, landed a couple of strikes, but it was the knees in the clinch that pretty much did Clint Hester ran. Uh, Robert Whitaker won via TK on the second round. And and I, I it, it it was tough to say who maybe had the performance of the night, but that that might have been it because I personally thought that that was real, it was a real close entertaining fight. I know the UFC actually gave uh, Whitaker and Hester the fight of the night, so both those guys got 50K apiece uh, in bonuses. Uh, Sola uh, Pele, Paglia, I, I you know I'm probably misfinesating his name, and I do apologize. Uh, he was able to score uh, a, a TKO win as well here against Walt Harris. Now, in that way, it was a little bit strange because I obviously thought the two guys were going to stand and bang, uh, but so I actually got some takedowns, which threw me for a loop. I uh, got some takedowns, was on top, and was kind of grinding out on Harris, and then finally kind of the same thing in the second round. You know, Harris was gassed from having another guy on top of him, paused, uh for a whole round. And you could just tell he just didn't have much left in him. Uh, so went in for the kill, got his back, bam, pounded him out. Uh, he ended up winning via second-round TKO. So, you know, gives, puts him in a, in a good position. I mean, he's one of those guys, who's always going to be able to uh, uh, to get a fight down in Australia, and Australia's a hot spot uh, for the fights down there. So I look for him to be back on a, another UFC Australia card extremely soon. Uh, and then the main event of the night was Luke Rockhold versus Michael Bisping. Now, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I am a Michael Bisping fan. I'll openly say it. I am. And I'm supposed to be, as a journalist, supposed to be uh, a little bit more uh, biased, um, not biased, but a little bit of more uh, even kill and naturally biased towards fighters, but I can't help it. Um, I like who I like. I respect who I respect. I respect Luke Rockhold, but I thought Michael Bisping was going to be able to uh, Kind of giving that work, but I was wrong. I was really wrong. Uh, in this case, it was, you know, Luke Rockhold came out and landed his kicks, but it was a headbutt there that, that hit Michael Bisping above his left eye. My left eye that also already had a cut on it earlier in the week. Of it. You know, Bisping was up cut while in training. You know, Bisping said afterwards he didn't really remember anything about the fight after getting headbutt. It really wasn't that big of a headbutt, I thought. But I'm also the one getting my head banged up against another guy's head pause. Um, and then in that regard, you know, Luke Rockhold, I thought, did an excellent job. Uh, he was able to use his distance. His strikes were a little bit crisper. Um, he was able... He landed some body shots throughout the fight, that I thought was also real interesting. Uh, he was able to get a, a guillotine on Michael Bisping. I honestly didn't... I, I, when I saw it, I didn't think it was in all the way, and then the ref stopped it, and I guess he had it sunk in good enough, or or Bisping knew there was no way of getting out of it it just tapped out relatively quickly. But Bisping uh, loses that fight via submission loss uh, to Luke Rockhold. Um For all the trash talk that happened leading up to the fight, both men shook hands, uh, have a lot of respect for each other as fighters. So I- I'm glad that all ended well now. as For what's next for them, that that's now debatable. Uh, one thing Luke Rockhold has made extremely clear Um, here in the recent days following uh, the UFC fight night in Sydney is he believes that uh, Vitor Belfort is not going to pass his random drug test uh, leading into this fight here with uh, Chris Weidman next year. So he's pretty much preparing himself to be the step in to get that fight. Um, Whether it happens that way, who knows, but he feels that he should be able to step in and get that fight. So, that's a route he could go. He may have been getting, you know, a shot at Chris Weidman that way. Uh, he's also wanting uh, a rematch against Jacare Souza, who he beat during their strike force days. But looks like Jacare is going to be facing uh, possibly, um, I think they said uh, I, uh, Yo Romero uh, may be a, a matchup for him. But uh, Luke Rockhold really wants that Jacare fight. If he can't get Chris Weidman, he would like Jacare for the simple fact that Jacare's ranked higher than him in the UFC rankings, which, whatever, I can't take those two seriously. And he feels that that's a fight that he would want um, if he can't get the Belfort fight. You know, for Michael Bisping, it's kind of almost, unfortunately for Bisping, it's back to the drawing board. Uh, it's back to the drawing board all over again because he had a little bit of a momentum after completely destroying and beating up uh, Kung Lee. Uh, here a couple months back so he yeah, had that momentum built up and then boom, you know, he suffers another loss um, he hasn't had back-to-back wins I think now since 2011 so I i, I don't know what you do with Michael Bisping from here um, maybe Talos Latis who's been on the street, uh, he is still ranked higher than Talas Latis, maybe that fight Katsa Filipu, bad Tavares maybe Mark Munoz. I mean, he he's going to have to fight somebody to where he is, um, you know, somebody who's lower ranked than him, because there's really going to be no point of him finding anybody higher, because he's lost against all those people. He's uh, lost against Rocco. He's lost against Tim Kennedy. Um, you know, Belfort he's lost against. So, the only other guys over there are Jacare, uh, Romero, and Gegard Musasi And, those guys are all going to probably be fighting each other around Robert to move up higher. Uh, Bisping is going to aim his sights a little bit lower, uh, add one of those low ranked guys, and get a couple of Ws before he can think about title contention again. But I will say this: time may be running out on Michael Bisping um, at the end of the day because he keeps getting closer and close, and then he stumbles. You know, at age 35, he's had now you know, over 30 career fights. How much is left? And how much more does he want to do this? Do I think his, his mind and heart are completely in this? Absolutely. Um, by no stretch will I ever say that his heart and mind isn't in this. But physically, can he do it? Does, physically, does his body physically want him to continue to do this? That may be the better question at this point. But we, we shall see what happens with him. But I definitely see him fighting uh, someone a little bit lower ranked going forward. So those are the big winners they are part of that card on Friday. Now, Saturday's card. Uh, You know, all of us were hyped. I know know a lot of people on Twitter, we were all hyped after watching um, the UFC in Sydney, and we were, you know, all the stoppages, all the fights were entertaining. We were like, okay, how is uh, UFC, you know, from Brazil, the following night, going to live up to that? Well, it didn't. It absolutely didn't. It was quite quite helpful. You know, the... The preliminaries were okay, you know, decent action. Uh Charlie Brenneman got yet another chance uh to fight in the UFC and suffer yet another loss. has now three losses in a row in the UFC. Uh one would think he's gonna be given his walking papers again, so we'll probably see him back uh along the East Coast doing uh local shows and getting some Ws there racked up before he gets another call back to the UFC because it seems to happen that way. Every time the guy uh you know, he, he gets cuts from the UFC, gets a couple of wins, comes back. So, um, I look for that to probably be the same pattern again here this time. Um so Charlie Brennerman he lost. He actually uh, suffered a submission, um really good like choke loss to Leonardo Silva in the first round. Wasn't really shocked by that. Um beyond that, I mean Diego, uh Diego Lima, uh former um Ultimate Fighter competitor, he picked up a win. Um, But really the rest of the cards just weren't, it just was entertaining. But we suffered through, you know, the preliminary card and a not-so-great main card with, you know, the four out of the five fights on the main card going all three rounds uh, to swatch the main event. The main event is something we thought was we were kind of waiting to see, you know, what Shogun who had left. Um, you know, he was facing a late replacement in uh, OSP, in Saint Peru. So he's facing a late replacement. You know, we didn't really know who would have the advantage there, who the advantage would go to. Um, but we knew it had a feeling it was going to be a slugfest, it was going to be a snake fight. Unfortunately, it was not. It was not entertaining one bit, uh, especially if you're a Shogun who fan. A Shogun got knocked out uh 34 seconds into the fight. Uh he rushed in, caught a counter. Um so kind of right and then boom, he was he was out. Um that is among the knockouts. It's a knockout of the month entry on punchtheface.com. Um, what can you say now? Like I said, I can't completely um, I can't place the blame completely on um a counter counter left hand. Uh, Shogun was coming in, and he suffered some uh, hammer punches. So the counter left, and he was done. You know, what's left for Shogun Hua? You know, how much shred is left on that tire? And I I said this last week, that if he lost, he was going to start getting put in that washed category. He lost, so he's going to start getting put in that washed category. Now, what I'm seeing happening with Shogun Hua is something we saw with Chuck Liddell, uh, his last few years of fighting. Chuck Liddell will look great. You know we had you know would have good rounds and then uh, or good minutes in a round and then boom we get knocked out. Um, We saw the Rich Franklin fight. He was doing good, uh, broke Rich Franklin's arm and then bang, last five seconds of the opening round he gets knocked out. Uh, Shogun who kind of the same thing uh, when he fought Um, Shogun, uh, you know he was winning a bulk of the first round. Last thirty seconds he gets knocked out there. Um, he fights. Rashad Evans gets knocked out there. Uh, it, it's you wonder what, what does this guy have left? And the question of that may be nothing. It may be nothing left uh, for him because you start you're seeing that same pattern over again, and it's not really fair. You know, for you know, for us to tell a fighter, you know, you need to step away because it's their body. You know, it's It's what they want to do. But at the end of the day, who wants to continue to see someone you admire and respect uh, put their body through such torture and getting beat up and, you know, shaving possible years off their life post-fighting? That's kind of what's going on with Shogun Hul right now. Uh, Shogun hasn't won back-to-back fights since 2009. We're talking over five years now. Uh, since he actually won the second fight in a row. So we're talking five years uh, since that happened. Um his losses are coming via knockouts. Um you know knockout here to OSP this past weekend, a knockout loss to Dan Henderson uh this in in March. Um two, last year he got choked out uh, by Chelsea. Sonnen. Uh, he ended up losing a United States to Alexander Gutson uh but he he really wasn't too much in that fight. Um, another one of his, you know, he suffered a knockout loss to John Jones when he lost the uh, the lightweight championship. So really that Jones fight could be, the, we'll see, maybe everything's starting to roll downhill uh, because quite honestly, prior to that, he had the two fights with to Machida. Both, you know, the first one I thought he won. The second one obviously did win by knocking out Machida. But it, it's, it's sad to see one of the legends in the sport Going down this road because in his prime, Shogun Hua was the best, um, best light heavyweight in the world. Was one of the best fighters in the world, pound for pound, one of the best fighters there was in the world. And now he's the shell of himself. You know, injuries have taken a lot of that from him. You know, he's had knee injuries. Uh, he's had quite a few of those uh, throughout his career. He's had, um, let see, like shoulder injuries as well. You just got to wonder what's left, what's left at this point. Now, the rumor is out of his camp that they want him to kind of have a catchweight fight in his next fight uh, somewhere in between 205 and 185 uh, to give himself a, a cushion as he transitions uh, to middleweight because that's where they want him to uh, to possibly fight next is at middleweight. Um, they think he, you know, his camp and him think that he can maybe revitalize his career and still uh, make one last run of the championship by fighting at 185 pounds. Um, you know, Shogun's still relatively young age-wise at 32, but fighting years, that's like 42, because the man had wars uh, when he fought over in Pride. Uh, he's been in a couple of wars here in the UFC uh, since he joined the UFC here about seven years ago, so we wonder, you know, what what's left? What is left of Shogun Hua? And Unfortunately, by the sounds of it, he's not done. Do you think he's going to keep him around and let him fight? I don't think it's right. I don't think it's necessary, but what do I know? It's, it's not my company, but I think Shogun, who was completely washed, and even if he's moving down to 185, I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't see that being much of a difference uh, fight-wise for him going forward. But, but, hey, what can I say? What can I say? But, yeah, Shogun, who was... You know, knockout loss, pretty devastating now. As far as for OSP goes, this moves him up now in the top ten there in the UFC's light heavyweight division. You know, he suffered a bad loss to Ryan Bader. That's when he, you know, hopefully he can get back uh, at some point. But what's next for him? You know, a fight with Phil Davis would make sense, um, you know, since he's wanted to move up. Uh, as Jimmy Madawaz heard, uh, maybe when he gets back um, – Maybe that's a fight that could happen. Uh, that would make sense. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe even maybe even a little knock could make sense. But you know, there are be fights out there that they can make for him um, to help him continue to grow up um, in the rankings and give him an opportunity uh, to show off what he has as well. So take nothing away from him. He did exactly what he was supposed to do in that fight in uh, winning and uh, scoring a knockout win over Shogun, who looks good on his resume. So, you know, shout out to OSP for uh, securing that win. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be breaking down uh, this weekend's fight cards. We've got three fight cards all on the same day, all at the same time on three different networks. I'll explain to you what fights you need to be watching here this weekend and why. So stay tuned here to Punch the Face Radio. I will be back here in a few moments. listening in here to punch the face radio i'm your host brandon stubbs feel free to give a call into the show at area code 718-508-9852 also you can tweet me at punch underscore the number to the face And as well you can tweet us here at bad culture on twitter as well make sure you check out net and punch of the face.com now the uh, break music you just heard was brought to you by my friends over at the titlefight.com. uh Music is completely licensed courtesy of them. Uh, you know, titlefight.com is where music and boxing collide. Make sure that you check them out and support the indie artists that they are trying to showcase and bring to life to everybody here in America and worldwide. So shout-out to my friends over at the thetitlefight.com. All right, now, this weekend we got a lot of damn fights. Let's just keep it real. Um, I thoroughly hate that all of the fights are coming on at once, on the same day, practically at the same time. <sighs> There's just really other no other way of explaining it except it's crazy. Now I'm gonna first start off here with the World Series of Fighting fifteen. Now that's gonna go down here Saturday um on NBC Sports Network and that's going to um, be down at the uh, University of South Florida Sun Dome down in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Same place here just two weeks ago. Titan FC had their card, so it's going to be back down. uh, More MMA coming to South Florida. We did out earlier this morning or slash afternoon to uh, Ray Cepho, you know, uh, president of World Series of Fighting, like, yo, um, when are you going to announce more of the card? (laughs) At that time, only four fights were official, and I, I, you're almost simultaneously with me saying that, you know, he tweeted back and said, Oh, we'll have more details um, tomorrow, because uh, tomorrow's going to actually be a conference call with the media for that. So, they, you know, they said, Oh, we'll tweet it out then. So, uh, later, like I said, almost simultaneously, yeah, it was a link uh, from, I want to say, MMAfighting.com uh, that had the full fight card listed. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Not impressed. Um, pretty much the, the card is filled. The back end of the card is filled with just local guys. That they're they're trying to uh, you know have on top of sell tickets down there in Florida. So I, I really can't say much on the caliber of fights we're going to get uh, there. But um, yeah, yeah. The main card, though, is – it is interesting. The main card is going to be headlined by David Branch versus Yushin Okami, and that's going to be for the middleweight title there for the World Series of Fighting. Uh, Justin Gaethje will be defending his lightweight title against Melvin Gillard. If you missed my interview last week with Justin Gaethje, and pretty much he's saying he's going to hand out a fade this weekend, uh, make sure you go to – check the archives here on – Bad Culture Radio's page. If not, uh, definitely check out on iTunes Podcast. Just type in Bad Culture Radio. You'll be able to pull up all the podcasts here from that Punch of the Face radio and as well as the Ruckus Boxing Show. So you can listen to that interview there um, where Justin pretty much said, yo, he's a, I'm going to beat this guy up. I'm, I'm going to put him on his back and I'm going to beat him up. So that would be interesting. Uh, Jessica Aguilar, who claims to be the best woman straw in the Charlotte world, I can't completely knock her. You know, for having that confidence, but when you're fighting fighters that I've never heard of or we're having to Google, that's probably not good. Um, in this case, she's going to be facing um, Calandra Fiera. Hopefully, I'm not seeing that right. Um, now, she does have a, an impressive record, but the fights have all been in Brazil. So, we don't know exactly what we're going to be getting our hands on uh, when she's fighting here in the States. Now, when she has stepped up in competition in her career, she's lost against the bigger names. Uh, she's lost against uh, Vanessa Porto. Uh, she's had a draw against Jennifer Maya. Um, uh, Karina Dam, who's another uh, female mixed martial artist. She's lost against her. Um, and, and another, it uh, looks like the, uh, Claudia uh, Glahida. Um, hopefully I'm not saying that right. Another um, female fighter who's uh, fought here in the States. She's lost against... The, that's the competition that she's. When she stepped up, She suffered uh, losses against, or, or draws. And she did beat uh, Karina Dam um, here last year, but I don't I don't know, man. I, I, she's on right now a, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. She's on an 11 fight win streak, which quite that is quite impressive, but it's possibly against CMB-level talent. Now, in Jessica Aguilar's case, I, I don't know if I can put that distinction on her still being the best strawweight in the world because she's really not fighting the best strawweights. Um, she really hasn't fought a top strawweight since uh, last year and in 2012 when she had two fights against uh, Mega Honey uh, Fuji. Hopefully I'm not saying that right. She beat her once in and then. She went over in Japan and beat her then as well. Uh, she did beat Carly Sparta. um, in Bellator back in 2011. So that was a split decision, and quite honestly, I thought Carl won that fight. I-, I don't know if Jessica's still the best strawweight in the world, and with her fighting these competitions there, I don't know. So that'll be a fight to kind of, to watch and see. Really, those are the only three fights of note. They're a part of the Bellator card, the uh, excuse me, the World Series of Fighting card, uh, for the simple fact that that's just it. I mean, everybody else or other people that I've honestly not heard much of. Uh, Jorge Patino is going to be fighting on the card. Uh, that he's a uh, close to fifty-five veteran and he's still fighting uh, at this rate out of uh, out of Houston, Texas. You know, he's fought for Legacy, uh, fighting his work. He's pretty much over the last few years has made his living uh, fighting there. So we'll see, we'll see, uh, we'll see. But that that's that card. So. Um, I'll have as soon as there's a fight there that I do say it is one of the top five you should watch for the week, but that's that fight card there. Now uh, we get to we'll go to UFC 180. So UFC 180 is going to emanate from Mexico City in Mexico. It's actually where Mexico City is at. That's going to emulate there. Um, that card was initially going to be headlined by Cain um, Velasquez versus Mauricio Verdum. Those two gentlemen have actually been coaching. Um, the ultimate fighter, Latin or Latina, uh, that you can see on UFC Fight Pass. So those two gentlemen are actually coaches against each other and we're anticipating actually having this uh, this match here for the heavyweight title. Unfortunately, it came uh, Velasquez towards the meniscus in his knee. He ended up getting pulled off the card. Um, after that happened, uh, Diego Sanchez, he ended up getting hurt. He got pulled off the card Um Joe Lozon ended up getting uh, hurt and pulled off the card. Um, (laughs) uh, Eric Perez was going to be a part of the card. Uh, He ended up getting hurt. So the card, within like, uh, I'd say a week span, lost four or five fighters off of it. Uh, What we get now is kind of a shell of a card. Um, You get Mauricio Verdun versus Mark Hunt uh, for the interim heavyweight championship bout. Championship title. You get Jake Ellenberger versus uh, Kelvin uh, Glasium. Glasium, hopefully, I'm not saying that right. At uh, a welterweight bout, Ricardo Lawinis versus Dennis Bermudez. That's kind of a, that, that may be a sleeper fight. I think that actually may be a lot better fight than what people think. Um, and then really beyond that, it's a lot of um, his, you know a lot of Hispanic and Latino fighters uh, who the UFC is going to showcase. And this was this is their fight card to hope you know, to help bridge that gap between the UFC and Latin America, uh, especially Mexican fans, and try to bring some of those uh, maybe Mexican boxing fans into the combat sports arena of MMA. So that this was what this card was supposed to be about, uh, you know, help, you know, bring that uh, that consumer to MMA, to the UFC. Uh, but unfortunately, Cain Velasquez getting hurt. That looks like that's not going to happen. Uh, I still think the card will be entertaining. It should be a fairly decent card. But I I don't know I, I can't a hundred percent I see this fight being this fight card being a slam dunk um, you know Leslie Smith Jessica I that's only, I think that's going to be the headlining fight on the UFC um, uh, prelim card uh, on Fox Sports One uh, but the main card you'll be able to catch on pay per view so three Silver new hunt is your main event there yeah I don't know would I want to spend my dollars on that. Eh, uh, maybe not so much. So now we get to the, maybe the one that's getting the most hype and has the most energy behind it, uh, Bellator 131. and Bellator 131 is going to be uh, down in San Diego, uh, San Diego Sports Arena. Um, this is kind of their, I kind of want to say their coming out party, if you will, because this is what they, this this fight card is to help separate Um, everything for them kind of help put them in a different spot in a different space from the UFC or show that they can compete with them you know with them having a fight card on the same night so highly important card for Bellator going forward will they go off without a hitch will all the fights be good that may be a different story the fight card is headlined by Tito Ortiz versus Stefan Bonner now both of these gentlemen are actually UFC Hall of Famers Um, Stefan Bonner hasn't fought in a long time that's going to be a light heavyweight the people's main event if you will is actually going to be Will Brooks versus Michael Chandler that's going to crown the undisputed uh, lightweight champion for Bellator Um, Will Brooks was the interim champion Uh, Eddie Alvarez is all you know was the champion then he left Um, he didn't want to fight Will Brooks before he left so this right here is going to be the rematch between him and Michael Chandler undisputed championship will be on the line, so we're going to have a, you know, Will Brooks will be crowned the official champion, or Michael Chandler will get back his title. Um, King Mobile Wall is actually now going to be facing a replacement in Joe uh, Vitapeno, but I'm not saying that right. He's supposed to face Tim De Blast, but Tim actually ended up cutting himself um, with a nasty gash above his eye uh, in training. So, you know, that, that actually got changed to about 10 days ago. So... Joes are actually going to step into this fight on two weeks' notice and face King Moloa. Should be interesting. Um, middleweights in a fight that should, if this doesn't end in a knockout, I'll be shocked. Uh, Melvin Manhoff will be faci- facing Joe Schilling. Um, for those who aren't too familiar with Joe Schilling, um, Guy's a kickboxer. Um, Granted, he's kind he, of, he's suffered a loss uh, uh his last time out of kickboxing. Uh, but actually this year when um he went two and one in kickboxing. Great fighter as far as that goes there uh with uh, quite an extensive uh record in kickboxing seventeen wins, eleven knockouts there, seven losses. Um but, you know, MMA wise, this is kind of gonna be a, a new world for him in that regard. So um we we shall see now Manhoff has a little bit more experience in mixed martial arts in the ground game, but that's also something that's never been a strong point of Melvin Manhoff. Uh, His thing is going to be the stand and bang. Um, So I wouldn't be shocked if these two stood toe-to-toe and tried to knock each other's heads off. That's what makes this fight interesting, Uh, highly, highly interesting uh, for those uh, who are fans of uh, kickboxing and the striking. These two guys can strike. There's no doubt in my mind this one's not gonna. It's gonna be an ugly for someone. Speaking of fights that could be an ugly, Mike Richmond, who had one of the uh, better knockouts um, here in September, uh, he's off of a knockout of uh, Ed West. He's going to be facing Nam Pham. Uh, that's going to be the uh, the initial fight as far part of the main card that'll come on Spike TV. Uh, this is after himself in back-to-back losses. He had a, a, a nice knockout win uh, for Nam Fam. He's kind of another one of these guys. He's um kinda of flown on the radar a little bit here this year. Um, he had his opportunity in the UFC, did not look did not really do good there at all. Um I wanna say he only won like two bouts, um, lost five or six. So didn't have a good run in the UFC, ended up getting cut earlier this year. Uh got a chance uh to go back over in Japan and fight, uh got a couple of wins underneath his belt. Um so he's back on a winning streak. But, uh, you know, Mike Richmond, you know, definitely has momentum going in his direction uh, after that knockout win here uh, earlier this year. So that'll be a fun fight as well to watch. The undercard there, you know, not so much name-wise, but that'll be on Spike TV. And obviously, over the course of the last couple of months, Bellator's undercard fights, uh, that have uh, the prelim fights that come on uh, Spike TV, uh, Spike.com, have actually been more entertaining than some of the main card fights. And some of the main cards have actually been really good. So would not be shocked at all uh, if you have a, a surprise or a highlight, real knockout, a part of um, a part of the, the preliminary card on Spike.com. So I highly recommend that. But um, as far as the fights you should be watching this weekend, Um, it's fairly simple. So here are the top five fights in this order that you need to be watching this weekend. All right, first off, number five is uh, a fight that I I think is going to more than likely steal the show uh, there at UFC 180. That's Leslie Smith versus Jessica I. I had an opportunity to see a lot of Leslie Smith. Uh, while she fought for Invicta FC. And her fights are never boring. She's always in an entertaining fight. She's always in a real good solid fight. Uh, in this case, you know, she's coming off of a, a TKO win over Jasmine Duke, where she was actually losing that fight. Um, Jasmine was kind of putting it on her, and then she just all of a sudden, boom, turned the corner, flipped the switch, and, and landed some strikes in and knocking her out. But that's a Leslie Smith fight. Leslie Smith is always in fights like this. She's always, you know, close to losing the underdog. She's not looking well, and then, boom, she lays somebody out um, or, or pulls off something amazing. So she's never in a boring fight. Jessica Eyeloff, an extremely close and questionable split decision loss uh, to Alexis Davis. You know, take nothing away uh, from Jessica in that fight because, like I said, I it was close. I honestly thought she won on the cards, but... That's why you don't ever want to take it to the cards. Um, You know, she also had a win over um, Sarah Kaufman late last year, around this time last year. She was failing a drug test. I had marijuana in her system, so she lost that. But really, besides the Alexis Davis loss, uh, she hasn't lost a fight in three years. Uh, She's kind of doing everything, going about wins in different ways, whether it be beating up on people or she's just grinding them out, getting uh, decision wins. These two women can fight, and these two women will bring the fight. There's not a doubt in my mind that fight alone would be worth someone ordering a pay-per-view. Luckily for us, those two women are going to be squaring off on Fox Sports uh, 1. So you'll be able to see that fight on Fox Sports 1. But that is the number five fight you need to watch. Out of the five fights, out of all the fights this weekend, that is one of the five you must watch. Not a shadow of a doubt in my mind. If any way that fight sucks, I would be just completely stunned. I don't think uh, neither one of those ladies had been in in their genetic genetic makeup uh, to make a horrible fight. So that is number four. Uh, Excuse me, number number five. Number four is actually the main event there at UFC 180. That's going to be Mauricio Verdun versus Mark Hunt. Now, the reason why this is number four and, and honestly, I, I'm not too 100% keen on this matchup. It just doesn't doesn't do much for me. You know, Baricio Williams won five four fights in a row. Um, Mark Hunt's also laying out Ray right Nelson, which shocked everyone. The thing is that makes this fight interesting is Mark Hunt is so durable. You you have to damn near shoot this guy to to get him down, uh, to get him down in a beating. Um we've seen him be in just flat out wars, battles, his fight with Antonio Silva, still one of the better MMA fights you will ever see in your entire life. Um and I mean those guys fought to a draw and they beat the bloody hell out of each other. Um besides his head uh his uh head kick loss uh, to Junior Dos Santos, over the course of the last few years, Mark Hunt has been really on a roll. Um you know, that's after suffering a really tough streak uh, of losses and, and fights in the mid two thousands and people wondering if he had anything left. If he had any tread on his fire and he's just pretty much reburped himself uh in the last few years at the UFC from fighting on um, you know, being a fight on the preliminary cards and not being aired to now main eventing uh for an interim title shot. The thing is that makes this fight so interesting is Variso Radum's hands have improved but we all know he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu ace. The question will be, will Mauricio Verdun be crazy enough to stand in front of Mark Hunt? And if he is crazy enough to do that, what in the hell is going to happen once he gets hit? The one thing we do know is Mark Hunt is durable. He can take a punch. Um... We also know he has one-punch knockout power. So what's going to happen? That's what makes this matchup so intriguing is we know what Varese doing is good at. We know what he's more than likely going to attempt to do once that cage door closes. The question is, how will he react if, you know, he can't get Mark Hunt down or, you know, he can't submit him or you storm punches at him and he's still standing there? You know, Mark Hunt can change anything in, in a blink of a you know, you know, blink of an eye with one of those punches. So that's what makes that the number four fight you must watch this weekend because it just makes it so interesting and so intriguing because you just don't know what we're gonna see uh there from those two gentlemen. Kinda of the same thing here with the with the number three entry is T Ortiz versus Stefan Bonner. You don't know what you're, what you're going to see here. Now, part of me really thinks this could be just a complete and utter shit show. That's what part of me thinks. I don't want to think that, um, but it, it can happen that way. It could just be one of those things. It's just it could be like a train wreck in many ways. You just you, you just you want to see it, but you don't want to see it. That's what this fight could actually end up being: is a complete and utter train wreck. That's what makes his fight number three. The thing is, Tito Ortiz beat an, an extremely undersized Alexander Slimento, uh in his last fight here at uh, Bellator 120 uh, back in May. Beat an undersized guy. And the last time he legitimately fought a light heavyweight was Stefan Bonner, and that was 2012. That was two years ago. an unanimous decision there. Didn't look good doing it. Um, prior to that, he lost to... Uh, little Nog, Antonio Noguera, Rashad Evans. You know, he had uh, suffered a lot of losses. So, you know, him going to Bellator, him getting kind of that soft touch in Alexander Shomenko, I don't know, how, how, much, can, how much value can you put in that win? You know, Stefan Bonner Stephen Bonner hasn't fought since UFC 153 back in 2012. So he's literally hasn't fought in two years. And that fight was a knockout, TKL knockout loss to Anderson Silva. Nothing to be ashamed of there. However, in this post-fight uh, drug test, he ended up failing that uh, for having uh antibiotic steroid in his system. So he was, you know, that a lot of we kind of kept hush-hush. We knew he had failed the test, but, you know, the UFC stuff still kept him in house. Um, oddly enough, he ended up um, getting put in the UFC Hall of Fame uh, the following year, the following summer was with uh, um, Forrest Griffin. So, you know, they still kept him around. We still saw him doing stuff with uh, uh, with the UFC. Uh, but here in the recent year, he's been working, doing commentating for Titan FC, uh, doing their color uh, commentating for them. I, I don't know if he'll be going back to that upon his uh, fight here with Tito Ortiz. But, um, man, it, it's it, it's weird, man. I don't know what... I really don't know what to make of this fight. You know, they're building this up as being a bad blood fight between these two gentlemen. Um, we saw the, the altercation in the ring that was so staged and so weird when the fight was announced. I don't know what kind of fight we're going to get. I don't know what Stefan Bonner has left. Um, if you don't... not fighting for two years. How much ring rust does he have on him? How much did he openly train, um, you know, during his time away from the cage? Uh you know, Tito Ortiz, granted, he won his last fight out, but, again, it was against an undersized guy, a middleweight who was moving up to a light heavyweight, and even still then was underneath the minimum uh, underneath the, uh, the minimum weight by, like, four or five pounds. So how much can you take into account for that? And really, even in the last, for Stefan Bonner, you know, prior to his loss to Anderson Silva, he won three fights, but he didn't really beat anybody. Kyle Kingsbury uh, and Krzysztof Straczynski um, didn't look great in those wins, but he, he got wins. Um, so, like I said, it's one of those things I don't know what to really make of of this fight. It is the train wreck that that you see, you know, that you see the car accident on the highway that everybody slows past and look. That's what the equivalent of this fight is. It is the car accident that you're slowing up and you're looking at. You know, those two names are going to bring eyes to Velotiro 131, which is Bellator's plan the whole get go. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but maybe the main fight you need to be paying attention to there, uh, I'll speak on it in a minute. But coming in at number two, the second most, um, second fight that everyone should be watching here this weekend is going to be from our friends over at the World Series of Fighting. Uh, that's going to be uh, Justin Gacy versus uh, Melvin Gillard. It's no secret that I I'm a fan of Justin Gaethje. Again, I should be a little bit more um unbiased in regards to that, but I'm a fan of him. He's uh ranked number nine here on the punch for pound list here on Punch of the Face Radio. He's he's a hell of a fighter. I, I, I really do think he is one of those guys that he is begging to get on a larger stage. Um he really needs he's gonna be one of those guys he's gonna really need to face top higher quality competition here still. Uh, or my fear is he's going to get complacent in the sport. Melvin Gillard's the best that they can give him at this point there at the World Series of Fighting. You know, Melvin Gillard's a... Gillard's one of the things... He's a catch-22. We, You don't know what you're going to get out of Melvin um, on any given fight. Are you going to get to Melvin who's going to be a little bit calm and relaxed and that rush striking to rush in to do something stupid? Or are you going to get to Melvin who's going to be a little... You know, he's going to be overly aggressive... Uh, ready to bang he could possibly na- uh, lay somebody out, um, you know, within the first 80 seconds of the fight. You know, that's the thing. He hasn't been consistent enough for us to say one way or the other. Now, Keita being the kind of the calm, semi-aggressive guy against uh, Jay-Z Calvin Conte here uh, in July, he was able to score a TK and win in the second round. But earlier this year when he was with the UFC – he fought too timid against Michael Johnson and lost a unanimous decision. Um, you know, a couple of years back, kind of the same thing with Jamie Varner. Maybe he was not aggressive enough and didn't want to make mistakes. Uh, was too aggressive against Ado Cerrone and got laid out. So it's too many inconsistencies there for him um, to where you just don't know what you're going to get. You know, he's facing a guy here, Justin Gaethje, who is undefeated. Uh, the guy's fought 12 times. He's got... 11 stoppages. I mean, uh, Justin goes out to hurt people. He goes out uh, to make a statement, to get in, get out, and get his check. Um, That's what I like about him. He said on last week's show, man, this fight isn't going to the cards. He's aiming for a finish. He wants a stoppage, and that's all he's been doing. Now, has the competition he has faced throughout his career the greatest in the world by no means, Melvin Gillard will be his toughest competition to date. Um, But do I see him having any issues with being able to beat him? Absolutely not. Um, I I do look for him to to beat Melvin Gillard, uh, and I do look for it to be a stoppage win. Uh, So that's the number two fight uh, that you need to be watching here this weekend because that's a fight, it's going to end violently. Um, Somebody, you're going to see two guys who are going to be swinging for the fences and someone's going to get laid out in a very, I'm gonna say fireball type of collision. But the number one fight you should be watching this weekend, and, and hands down, this 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 fight is so even I don't know how to even call it. Um, it, it looks to be, you know, obviously the the biggest, uh, maybe the, maybe the most important fight I think of the weekend, and that's Ill Will Brooks versus Mike Chandler. Uh, these two fought an extremely entertaining fight uh, at Bellatoro 120. It was a split decision win for uh, Will Brooks. You know, some people say it was Chandler won that fight, but it was a close fight. Let's just call it what it is, extremely close fight. Um, Will Brooks has now, after that win, has now won five fights in a row, has really looked better and has really improved uh, as a fighter, uh, over the course of the last uh, year, year and a half, uh, since losing and getting knocked out by uh, um, uh, Ayad Saw- Syed Awad um, back at Bellator for 91. Uh, you know, he's just really looked to – he's getting more of a well-rounded of a fighter, um, so he's improving, and I, I, I like that. He's improving each time around, better and better and better. Um, he's works on an American top team, so that's not really a shock uh, that he is improving there steadily. For Michael Chandler, Chandler's kind of a, I don't want to say a, a toss-up, but kind of a toss-up um, in this case. You know, in the last two fights he's lost have been championship fights. Uh, he lost his Bellator title to Eddie Alvarez upon Eddie Alvarez's return, he lost that to be a split decision. And then he loses a split decision loss to Will Brooks in the interim title fight. I don't know if, you know, what he can do different this time around. I think it's going to be for either man to get a decisive win because these two guys are just so energetic and so evenly matched and going to be able to keep the pace up with each other like we saw in the first fight the only way we're going to have a definitive winner if somebody gets a stoppage. I, I don't see this fight any, any other way besides a stoppage. That's the only way we're going to have, be able to have this and be able to settle this. You know, Will Brooks feels disrespected by Bellator. Uh, he doesn't feel that he's been given the a proper treatment as a champion. It's kind of been oversighted and overlooked. I think his gripe is extremely legit there. Um... You know, for Chandler, Chandler, he lost his opportunity to have this trilogy fight with Eddie Alvarez. Uh, they were one, one apiece. And when Eddie got hurt, he got robbed of that. I don't know how focused he was when he fought Will Brooks, if he was really, if his mind and heart were 100% in that fight. And when that happens, you suffer those losses like, you, like, you su- like he suffered to Will Brooks. So I don't know if, like I said, if his heart and mind were 100% into it. I think this time around, it's completely into it. With that being stated, I think this is going to be a hell of a fight. I'm going to go with Will Brooks for the win, but it's definitely the fight that I think everyone should be tuning in on. If you're ordering the UFC pay-per-view, I think that that fight will happen before the main event, so definitely flip channels and see. Hopefully the Will Brooks fight and and, uh, Chandler Brooks fight isn't going on. At the same time as Gagey and Melvin Gallard because, you know, it kind of looks like they may be around the same time. If you have picture in picture, they'll try to have both of them up at the same time. Maybe stream one through your tablet uh, somehow, but it's definitely uh, a fight that you should be watching on Saturday. So, Will Brooks, Michael Chandler, Bellator's lightweight championship, undisputed champion will be crowned. And that's just going to be a hub of a fight. That that fight's going to be a hub of a fight. And as far as who has the better card amongst World Series of Fighting, UFC, and Bellator, I think top to bottom you can give the no. nod to Bellator um, just because there's a lot more unknowns about the World Series of Fighting in regards to their prelim card. Kind of the same thing with the UFC as well. But the, the edge I give to them is that I think the that co main event there is actually maybe better than the main event at UFC. And with the World Series of fighting, you know, Justin JC Melvin Large should be the main event, not David uh, you know, uh, David Branch and Yushin Okami. I, I'm gonna be honest, you know, the those two guys really don't have that large of a following to where they should be headlining that championship fight and more and more importantly, and I even asked Justin Gaethje this last week, do you think that you guys should have got the their the main event slot or should this have just been a main event itself on another card? You know, he doesn't really care. At the end of the day I think he just wants to get paid, just likes to fight. But there's no doubt in my mind, Melvin Gillard and Justin Gaethje should be headlining this card and not David Wrench and Yushin Okami, but we we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But I think Bellator thirty one is one thirty one is gonna be the better part of the weekend. Um going to be the best action, but we shall see. Um, Next week we'll have, obviously, a lot to recap with all three of these cards that will be going down. So I am highly interested in seeing how all that plays out, Uh, who are our biggest winners and losers of the week. Uh, We may have new knockouts of the month uh, entries there, so if you definitely go to punchoftheface.com, we've got one fantastic knockout of the month entry uh, that was given to us from Glory. Uh, kickboxing from over the weekend. If you haven't seen that knockout, please check out face dot com and witness uh, some guy getting literally folded in half. But hey, what can you do? So yeah, next week, man, we'll re- we'll um, obviously recap all three of these fight cards. Uh, we'll probably have some guests on next week who we don't completely know. Uh, we do have a couple of ideas, but I don't want to say anything to jinx anything. We so still got to do the interviews, so. Not going to say anything, but we will have guests on next week's show. Um, also, one thing I did want to do before I, I exit out of here is um, this week also as well, the UFC, not UFC, I always get that confused, excuse me, Invicta FC had had announced their complete card uh, for Invicta FC 10. It'll go down here in December, last Houston. You should be able to catch on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, Michelle Watterson, Horicia uh, Tabar- Tabarico, Uh, Yeah, Um, that's going to be for the bantamweight championship. Uh, Michelle Watterson will be making her defense there. Uh, Tanya Evinger versus uh, Cindy uh, Dantas in a bantamweight bout. Um, Maybe that should be for the open bantamweight championship there at at, um, Invicta. Whoa, (laughs) promotion mixed up. Maybe that should be for that vacant title there. Uh, No signs or any word for that being for that title, but. Avengers on a monster win streak looks to be one of the most avoided women uh in at one thirty five. So we'll see. Uh Roxanne Montefiore versus Vanessa Porto at fly, uh, flyweight. Uh Deanna Bennett versus Jennifer Maya also at flyweight. Uh Charmaine not so tweet, not so sweet tweet uh versus Faith Van Done. Uh that's a featherweight belt as well. Hmm. Um, do. do, 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 do. Uh, we've got Arena uh Alanadon Alana Aladana, I think it's Aladana. So Arena Alanadana versus uh Marian uh Renew. Uh that's that's gonna be your main card, preliminary card is gonna have Peggy Morgan a part of it, um T C Robb, uh uh John Fry, Elena Gray, uh all a part of those cards who fought on other promotions and uh, previously here uh for Inficta FC so That'll go down in December. We've reached out to a couple of fighters and hopefully can have them on here in the coming weeks leading up to Invicta FC 10. So that uh, the former card has been announced. Uh, also been announced uh, from um, Chris Cyborg. She's not going to have surgery on her ankle. She's going to see if she can get it rehabbed. Um, so obviously we'll have more news on that as well in the coming mm-hmm. weeks. So we're hopefully after the new, new year she can fight and finally see what she can do at the Bantamweight division. But time will tell. Um, that's all the show we have for tonight. Um, since there's no guests, we're going to cut a little bit shorter. Uh, but next week, like I said, we'll, really have, we'll have guests on the show. We'll be recapping all of these fights here from Saturday night. Um, feel free throughout the week to tweet me at punch underscore the number to the face. Any of your MMA questions, thoughts, uh, people you want to see on the show or comments from people on the show. Um, also, make sure that you check out uh, all of the shows here on Bad Culture Radio Network here through the Block Talk Radio page or as well on iTunes Podcast. So just go to iTunes. under Underneath podcast, just type in Bad Culture Radio. You'll be able to listen to all of our podcasts are part of the network. And more importantly, they're all free. So you can listen to all the podcasts that you want, some sort of our uh, some, you can listen to some of your favorite MMA fighters and boxers a part of our programming on our show. So make sure that you want to check us out there. I uh, as well check out punchtheface. dot com, my personal site where I pretty much post uh, stupid stuff. Uh, knockouts of the month are just there. People love those. So if you haven't visited that, definitely check. Make sure you check out punchtheface. dot com. is where I do my serious work. Uh, you'll see some information to so right upstairs in regards to the fights. I'll probably have a little bit more in depth here in regards to the top five fights you can watch this weekend. We'll have that over at net for you here this weekend as well. Um, otherwise, that meant everybody be safe. Don't do anything stupid. Uh, I haven't had to name a dumbass of the week in a couple of weeks, and I'm feeling good about that. I want to keep that streak going and not have to name anybody a dumbass of the weekend in MMA. So I just want everybody to be on their best behavior. Um, be safe. It's starting to get cold out. It's going to snow here Saturday where I'm at. So everybody be safe, stay warm, stay blessed, enjoy these fights this weekend because, again, it is going down three fight cards, three different channels, three different promotions, outstanding action all the way around. So I want everybody to enjoy, and until next weekend, excuse me, until next Wednesday, uh, this is Brandon Stubb signing off here for Punch the Face Radio.